I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. If you have a laser device for training and you want to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to get into using a laser device for training, check out the products at laserapp.com. L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. You can use code CSP2021 for 15% off the items you've selected. And thanks for checking them out. Now, when, when you teach, you, you shoot IDPA, you've done protective service details work, stuff like that. How much of the protective service stuff do you incorporate into teaching civilians when they're looking at defensive handgun use? Yeah, uh, none. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, so let me uh, put it like this, right? Uh, my classes... Um, are performance shooting classes okay. uh they you know in my opinion as i've come kind of full circle in my shooting shooting life i guess um i've i've kind of come to the whole idea shooting you know and I, i'm not the first one to say this shooting is shooting um it, it, it the context may change but the techniques really do not change um uh, I'm always looking for the most accurate hits, the fastest I can make them, because that's what wins. And it doesn't matter if you're playing a game or playing the ultimate game. Uh, so it, it's, you know, the, the fastest hits, uh, the fastest best hits win. Uh, and sometimes good enough is good enough. So uh, uh, I really don't incorporate, there's no tactics uh, in my classes there's no like when a when a bad guy does this, you should be doing this. There's none right. of that. Um, I am purely purely focused on the mechanics of shooting. Now, what your application may be to that, um, you know, may, you'll have to decide if if that applies or not. But really, I I am there to make you to make my students, you know, the fastest, most accurate shooter I can. Um, despite the application, whether they're shooting competitively or defensively. So, so yeah. Uh, the only thing I will say is it, you know, the interesting thing about my, my background is that it, it does lend some context to, to why I might incorporate uh, certain things, you know, um, specifically like one-handed shooting we did a ton of that uh you know working executive protection and stuff like that almost everything was done one-handed shooting because the other hand's controlling your client or or whatever right you know uh so i have some some thought processes on when we should maybe carry strong side over when we carry appendix or something but uh really that's all contextual stuff it 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 it's it's about the shooting not about the context and there are other guys out there that do great contextual uh work uh you know um cecil birch uh, uh craig douglas all those guys that are incorporating both those things into their their classes uh i am purely mechanics based purely mechanics and performance based okay gotcha so do you ever go back and teach any of that other stuff or is it just your stuff that you're doing now yeah so uh every now and again uh if if someone wants to do like a private class and they want like they want that stuff sure i can put together a private class for you but uh again you know uh i'm a big proponent in in relative uh, uh experience um my military experience now i got out of the military in 2009 so my cqb is probably way outdated uh right. you know i stopped doing uh protective service work in uh 2014 2015. uh not that that stuff really evolves um uh at the same rate uh but again it's you know, it's not really stuff I, uh, I spend a lot of time on, uh, any longer. Uh, again, if there's a, you know, if there's an agency or something that's like, Hey, we want to do some PSD stuff with a focus on shooting. Uh, but we need to learn the, you know, you know, 
learned the basics of you know the concentric rings and and, and diamonds and, and stuff like that i'll incorporate that stuff in there uh okay. and then make them understand the context of okay this is the context now let's apply the shooting packages to that context um but yeah it's not something i offer uh generally to to the to the world Gen okay yeah. well and and i asked for two reasons one I'm curious about the the general makeup of your classes. Like how many are competitive shooters and how many are people that carry that just want to get better with their gun that they carry? Sure. Sure. Um, so that's, uh, that's a good question. I would say uh, it's kind of a 50, 50 blend that's what I would have guessed. in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I get, uh, I get a lot of law enforcement guys um, that, uh, you know, for whatever reason, or they they want to they want to shoot better, whether it's from their duty gear uh, or from you know a, a more covert type setup uh, appendix or or three o'clock or concealment of some of some type. Um, and then every you know I get much fewer competitive, purely competitive shooters because again that world blends over so yep. much now. Yep. So uh, uh, you know, but I do get you know. The other half is going to be the defensive, just civilian defensive. Granted, law enforcement is civilians as well, but uh, yeah. the 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 non sworn, uh, you know, the, your average civilian carrier uh, defensive shooter. Uh, I get a, about half of those as well. So, and again, they they overlap. You know, some there's competitive shooters everywhere. So, uh, so yeah. yeah. And I agree with your initial thought way back at the beginning, which is, you know, when I first started, when I went to my first competition, I was like, uh, I thought I was good. And <laughs> I, I, in comparison, I am horrible. Yeah. These guys are amazing. I'm like, I need to step up my game. Um, exactly. So, so I, I totally get it. You know, I carry and I compete. And my sister's a law enforcement officer, and she's re basically required to carry anytime she's off duty. So... She's a civilian concealed carrier at times as well, even yep. though she still has a badge. Yep. So yeah, totally get it. That, and that's why I asked because like you were just saying, you know, there's plenty of times that cops only shoot basically once a year for qual. There's a lot of, you know, that barely do that. So yeah. I could see where you would get a lot of law enforcement students just to learn better how to shoot, whether it's concealed or from their duty gear or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. I imagine you're, that's why I was asking your, your students come from every walk of life. So. Yeah, absolutely. I will say now, uh, so I've got my, uh, my 1911, 2011 driver class, uh, uh, which is really a performance shooting class based around the 1911. Um, uh, so think of it as like a, it's a, uh, uh, it's a 1911 operator type class, uh, but with the prominence of, you know, the new staccato 2011s within the law enforcement community, I'm getting a much larger influx into that class of law enforcement guys uh, that want to want to learn, you know, why are we going to this $3,000 gun when, yeah, our, when our clocks did good stuff? Um, right. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I wonder too because that's a that's a lot of dollars for. I mean, I, I, they're great gun, but I mean, are, is it worth the cost difference? You know, when you're paying six times the amount for the gun. But, yeah, yeah, um, you know, and that comes down to a personal thing. Uh, I'll say this right, so uh, Hilton Yam years ago, uh, Hilton Yam of Ten Eight Performance put out put out his thoughts on uh, uh, 1911s and 2011s as duty issued firearms. And, and it was, you know, a resounding, they should not be department issue guns. They should be individual purchase approved guns. And, uh, you know, still to this day, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm definitely in that camp, you know, fielding uh, an entire department with 2011s or 1911s, um, Man, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it sounds great, but when you understand what 
what it takes into not only teaching everyone how to operate that system because it is different uh, it has amazing capabilities and if you don't understand those capabilities uh you know it's it's not going to be a good day um but the the requirements to field those systems and keep them running um at a department level or a unit level that's hard that's real hard and yeah. you can't just get away with you know armors that swap parts anymore you need high level armors if not a a full-time gunsmith on your staff at that point or a relationship with a gunsmith that uh you know is going to take your work in and put it to the front of the line so um yeah but that being said as an individual uh, purchase option for officers, you know, I'm lucky I live in uh, a county that allows 1911s uh, uh, as duty firearms uh, for personal purchase. Um, and again, we see only, only the high level uh, uh, officers are the ones carrying those systems because they understand, you know, that thing's a Ferrari, man. But you got to treat it like a Ferrari. You can't treat it like a yeah. like a Yugo. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Oh, Yugo! I haven't heard that in forever. <laughs> Holy cow! It was a blast so, yeah. from the past. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I, I mean, my personal opinion would be if I was, and I don't know how much heat I'll take for this, but if I were to advise a a, a department. I think I would say wait a year or two, see how the M17 and the M18 do. See, you know, because look, if anything's going to get broken, the military will break it. They will find a way to find the weakest part of whatever it is you've supplied. It will break. Then SIG will come up with a fix. And then when that fix comes out, I'd be like, all right, here you go. Like, like the Beretta. Yeah. I hate, I absolutely hate the Beretta. Um, when I was in the, I, the 1911 was the military pistol mm -hmm. and we switched over to the Beretta while I was in, did not like it at all. Didn't like the trigger, didn't like any of it. And then there was the issue where initially they were having slides that would come off and were whacking people in the forehead. I'm like, <laughs> this is a piece of trash. Yeah. Well, they came up with a fix for that and that's no longer an issue, but that's what I mean, you know, and then, so wait a year or two, see what problems come up, SIG fixes them. And then now, you know, you have basically a bulletproof gun. Right. And that's and that's what I would recommend the department then purchase because it's been put through the rigors. Millions of rounds have been fired through it. You know, the thing works. It's going to work when you need it to. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I the staccato thing is. If, if the military had adopted it, and you give it a year or two, <laughs> then, then, you know, whatever. Sure. But yeah, uh, whew, that's a that's a lot of money for a small. I, I don't know of any small departments that could afford it. So, yeah, hmm. yeah. Well, and that's the thing we don't really. Well, to my knowledge, again, I don't really have. I don't have a relationship with Staccato, uh, so I don't know who they're fielding to. But you know, uh, LAPD Metro and uh, uh, the the Marshal Service SOG guys are all are all running it, and they're not they're not small groups really. Um, right. Uh, but they also have a, uh, a much more dedicated end user on the whole. Um, and a large budget. Yeah. The large budget is going to be the thing. Now yeah. that's the other thing too. There are, again, I go into this, into, into my 1911 driver class. Uh, there are some significant benefits to the to the platform that just do not exist on the other platforms out there and if those features speak to you um for me absolutely it's worth the investment um but they have to make sense to you as the end user not somebody else just saying hey the benefits are better here use this use this you know three thousand dollar gun um because there are other other things to consider when when it comes to those um, fielding those guns for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now the second reason 
uh, I was asking about the, the different types of classes and the protective service stuff and, and defensive handgun uses. I know you're going to be at the Guardian conference this year. Mm -hmm. And that's put together by uh, Riley and those guys at Concealed Carry, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Now, Riley's been on here, so we're, we're friends. Uh, he's a good guy. I like him. Absolutely. Um, what is your what is your topic? That's a great question. I'll let you know when I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so the details haven't been worked out, but you're going to be there. Correct. Correct. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure uh, what Riley wants me to uh, uh, focus on for that. Uh, I if I had to guess, obviously it'll be some type of performance aspect of shooting, whether that's uh, you know the mechanics of uh, let's say an appendix uh, carry presentation or uh, integration of red dots. Um, I doubt it will be 1911, 2011 focused uh, or, you know, Riley uh, helped me, uh, I believe it was last year uh, at a conference uh, we were both teaching at, he had for me. So he got kind of a snapshot of, of what my classes look like. Uh, so there may be something in there, you know, I spend a, quite a bit of time on recoil management and, uh, and understanding recoil and timing of guns and things of that nature. Uh, and he may want me to discuss something like that, but I, at this point, I really, I really don't know. All I can guess is that it's probably something performance oriented. Okay. Now do you, do you have any preference between like a strong side carry or an appendix carry? Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely. So I, I am a huge proponent of, uh, of appendix carry. Um, just the, the benefits of appendix from both the defensive side and the performance side, uh, are honestly just huge. Um, you know, again, not to step out of my lane in the, in the defensive stuff, Craig Douglas and Cecil Birch are probably the two guys that can speak the most to this, but the guarding the gun against uh, other people in the appendix position, you know, is just so much, so much easier versus a, a three o'clock or God forbid a four o'clock type carry. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's night and day, especially in an, in an entangled encounter, um, so, so there's that aspect of it, but from purely the performance aspect, um, the closer I get the gun to my center line, the, the easier it is to get the gun in front of, in front of my face. Um, and even though a, a two handed, uh, draw from three o'clock is possible, it's not, it's not super efficient, uh, versus, uh, you know, a two-handed draw from, from the appendix position. Uh, I will throw the caveat on there. Again, we talked a little bit about uh, my background. Um, the one thing I will say within executive protection, if you were on a, uh, on a client in, in the inner ring, uh, you know, um, you are going to be there protecting your client. I don't think appendix carry is necessarily the way to go uh, unless you, you know, the attire requires it um, because there's so much we have to operate single-handedly uh, in, in that capacity that, you know, the benefits of three o'clock over appendix, strong hand, you know, single-handed strong hand draw is much faster. It just is. Uh, and it's much easier because it's the same thing you do all the time. So, um, so yeah, uh, with an open front garment, I'm referring to. I should right. should caveat that with an open yeah. front garment. Again, if I have to go close front garment, uh, I'll, I'll probably I'll go back to appendix carry because at that point it's it's negated. But um, right, you have to but, use two hands regardless. Exactly. So, but outside of that context, appendix carry all the way. <laughs> yeah, I, and I agree. Um, totally agree. And and I mean, I've even seen guys in competition like you were saying local matches idpa draw you know competing from appendix carry and son of a gun if they're not as fast as everybody else out there yeah absolutely so, you know this is one thing uh, i think guys really misunderstand is uh everyone thinks the draw is so important in competition 
And uh, what we've proven time and time again is that the draw to first shot is far more important in uh, defensive encounters than it is in competition because almost always in a, in a competitive setting, we're moving as we're drawing the gun. We're eating time as we're drawing the gun. It's very rare that targets outside of classifiers present themselves right in front of us where we're going to draw to that. So appendix carry, even if there is a, a change, you know, from our standard setup from an open rig, you know, most guys are getting their draws in almost the same amount of time uh, at this point. So you're absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Oh, I was going to go another route with that, but no. We're, yeah, we're, please. Well, uh, I was going to say the, the other aspect of what I like about the appendix carry is um, – I'm sure you know who Ernest Langdon is. Sure. Absolutely. So he was at Quantico when I was at Quantico. Oh, okay. Um, he was at HRP, high-risk personnel. It was a DOD-funded um, pistol class. Yep. But it wasn't just pistol. It was it was other stuff, too, um, but 90% of it was pistol. And uh, so when I went through there, one of the things they – everything was basically 3, 4 o'clock. And you would have to, at some point, draw with your weak hand and reach around to grab. And I have found 30 years later in life, that is not nearly as easy <laughs> as it was then. Like, now it's a challenge. It's like, holy cow, it's it's a struggle. So looking at it from that aspect, having everything right in front, to me, is way more beneficial for things like that. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Night, night and day difference, especially, yes. you know, incorporating that weekend only presentation. Uh, absolutely night and day. Yeah, so, it, it, uh, especially if you got a little of the extra uh, ballistic uh, cover <laughs> that right. I have. The absorption. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My uh, natural ballistic abilities here. Uh, body armor <laughs> um, <laughs> gets in the way, but yeah. Yep. Now, how, what is your, um, we, we briefly touched on you helping with modern samurai project, um, mm -hmm. is what is your travel schedule look like for the rest of the year? Do you have time to shoot any like major IDPA matches or are you primarily teaching and working on guns the rest of the year? Yeah. So the rest of this year, um, uh, will be almost all teaching and, uh, and working on guns. Um, I just don't have, I'm waiting to get into one more major match this year. Uh, New Mexico IDPA championship, I think. I can't remember. I'd have to look at practice score and see see what I signed up for. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, for the most part, it'll it will all be uh, teaching and building the rest of the year, um, and then next year um, will be much more competition and probably a lot oh. more IDPA major IDPA matches than I have than I've shot uh, recently. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the new IDPA rules. I won't lie. Um, I think we've gotten to a point where, okay, now, now we're getting more realistic. Now we're, now we're getting closer to, to what, you know, may have been intended, um, initially. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to, to shooting some majors in, in IDPA. Uh, again, I haven't shot an ID, a major IDPA match in, I think, two two years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I, I went out to Colorado uh, to shoot with a buddy that I used to teach with in Colorado, actually, uh, and shot an IDPA match. And uh, unfortunately, I, I shot it with the USPSA mentality. Uh, where I was like, nope, I can drop some of these points 
on on targets I really shouldn't have started dropping points on um, just because I hadn't, uh, you know, I hadn't really set the right mindset for that match there. And really, I was just there to shoot with my buddy. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, but I'm looking forward to to actually having a little bit more of an IDPA focus. Um, again, USPSA will always be my number one for the foreseeable future, but uh, I am excited to shoot more IDPA with the new rules, especially with my carry gear. I love I love shooting with my carry gear. So uh, if I could do that all the time, I, I absolutely would. So, so yeah. Well, and again, I feel, um, you know, I shoot with a – now I use the Canic Rival. I've, I've shot hey. with Canic before, um, but now I use the Rival. But I also carry a Canic every day. Yeah. And I love to shoot that in the IDPA matches. It's got an RMR on it, whereas my other uh-huh. Canic has an SRO. So big difference in optic size windows. Yeah. But still, you know, it's, it's still similar. The grip angle is similar, all of that. So it's not like I'm really – taking any more time to find the dot or, or anything else present to the target. And I can't think of a better way to test myself with my carry gear than shooting an IDPA match. I really can't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, I will say, um, if I, again, uh, and this is just me, if I could shoot USPSA with my carry gear. I, I think that is for me a hundred percent the way to go because it it is more complex. Uh, and I have to make more decisions on the fly, which I like. That's the only thing I think it has. uh, Well, not the only thing, but a big thing it has over IDPA. Um, but yeah, I mean, shooting with your carry gear all the time is just, it's just fantastic. It, it really is. And there's nothing better you can do. Um, but IDPA is, is definitely a great sport. And if, if that's what you can run your carry gear in, then by all means, I shoot it, shoot it as much as you can. So. And I feel like IDPA could do probably one more thing to really close the gap. Cause we're, I'm already seeing a big migration. Sure. Um, the, the Williams sisters, uh, who are amazing at USPSA are now starting to shoot IDPA. You know, JJ just shot, Nils is shot. So it's it's interesting you're starting to see a migration towards that as well with these rule changes. Um, but I feel like if you were to allow, not run and gun, but if you were to allow shooting from cover to cover, um, yes. still no change of mags mm-hmm. in the middle of the open, I get all that, you know, unless it's empty. Right. But if you would allow people to shoot from moving from cover to cover, that's a realistic thing, too, because you may be at a point in real life somewhere, whether it be in the military or, or on your own, where you're in a position where you're very vulnerable and you need to move to a better position. But at the same time, you can't just run. You need to lay down some type of protective fire to get yourself from point A to point B. And I think that's realistic. And that's the one more thing I think if they could find a way to do that in the rule book, I think that would be one more big, huge point in their favor. Oh yeah. I I a hundred percent agree with you. hundred percent agree with you. Uh, You know, that is, that is still a, uh, still a shortcoming of, of the sport. Um, I will say I will, uh, For me, there is definitely a time and a place to dump partially loaded magazines, whether it is in in a sport or in the real world. And I didn't always yeah. feel like that uh, until I was I was doing some uh, actually I was doing some CQB with some high level dudes, um, and they explained it in the context that that they did it in. And I was like, you know what? That makes a ton of sense to me. And I totally understand that. And that kind of shifted my my thought process. Uh, I understand why IDPA doesn't do it. Um, and that also makes sense to me as well. Um, I just like doing it. <laughs> uh, uh, it. You know, within the context uh, of, of certain stages, it makes sense. 
um, especially over a traditional uh, tack reload or reload with retention. Um, that would be another rule change I would like to see. But again, it, it's I understand why they do it, so I'm not too I'm not too upset about it that it's not right. getting changed. But I I absolutely agree. You know, it, it, and it's always kind of struck me as interesting why that has been a thing, especially. Uh, in previous years, since there was such a stress on shooting on the move, and yet here's a perfect opportunity to incorporate shooting on the move, and we were specifically disallowed from uh, shooting on the move uh, within that context. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think that would be a great a great rules change for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I and I I really think that would probably make IDPA even more attractive for other people, especially people who want to get better with their everyday carry gun and be able to practice scenarios, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say, uh, you mentioned the Canic rival. Uh, mm -hmm. Tim was out at my place not too long ago and happened to have one. And I'll tell you what, I, I was... I'm impressed with them so far. Yep, there you go. Yeah, these things. Uh, I think they. I think Nil. I know Nils had a lot to do with it. Yep. Um, I got to talk to him and Frank a lot at, at Shot Show, and I've had Nils on before. Mm -hmm. But the grip angle, the length of the barrel, uh, this thing fits my hand amazing, and it's just like the perfect length and size. The it's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it is a great factory offering, uh, for yeah. a gun. It just really, and you know, when it, when you get it, it comes with so it comes with your tools and multiple plates. And I believe they include a holster in there with it. They three do. mags or four mags or so, I forget how many mags. Um, uh, it's really a great, a great setup to get started in anything. So, yeah. And, when I was talking, talking about the plates, when I was talking to Nils, you know, they took what they learned from what people were using primarily on the guns from the original okay. SFX and they dropped out the plates. They're still available, but they don't include them in the, in the kit. They dropped out the ones that were least used and added in, um, like with the dark side there, my mm -hmm. fifth plate is one where I can use a micro red dot and I keep my rear sight. Nice. So, so, you know, I'm like, why would I, I could literally just change out my slide and use it for carry or competition. I mean, it's literally covers anything you would ever use it for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great option. And the trigger's pretty good out of the box too. I will say. Yeah. I, I that, would have no problem shooting that trigger uh, and not changing anything about it. So. For sure. Was there anything we didn't cover that you want to touch on or want to clarify or shout out? Um, uh, no. <laughs> okay. That's right. So I, I have a, <laughs> uh, I don't want to release anything too early. Okay. Um, so I, I, I'll, let me put it like this. So I will be shooting for a, uh, a holster manufacturer this year, uh, which I'm oh. very much looking forward to working with them um, uh, on their gear and uh, their stuff is, is just fantastic. And uh, I mean, I'm excited there. I've been a, a user of their stuff for a long time and uh, excited to work heavily with them on their, their new stuff going forward. So especially around the 1911, 2011 platforms. So I'm super excited about that. Um, uh, the only other plugs I would make would be obviously find, find me in a class and, and come take the class. You know, uh, uh, if you're a, a 1911 specific guy, by all means, look into the 1911 driver class. But if you really want to learn performance, uh, you know, I would say sign up for a uh, from my performance handgun class, it is, uh, you know, it is truly the, uh, 
the uh, it is all of me in a class. All the things I find to be the most important when it comes to mechanics uh, in a class. So uh, so I'm super excited about you know running that class again. Um, so yeah, and it's shootingperformance.com. No, no, it is practicalperformance.org. That's what that's, it is. Uh, that's that's right. Planders uh, website. <laughs> that is correct. Yep, there it is. Practicalperformance.org. I had it up. I should have looked. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So okay. uh, that's the that's the easiest way. Uh, we are changing a couple of things on the website um, uh, because apparently, if you want to sign up for a class, hit the "Take a Class" tab. <laughs> That's uh, that's how you sign up, and all all my current offerings are there. So, okay, oh uh, yeah, Fort Lauderdale. You're in California a bunch. Yeah. Yep. Iowa. Yeah, actually, I'll be in Iowa next week uh, for our 1911 driver, uh, uh, formerly 1911 Craftsman class. I had to change the name of that class. Because uh, several people thought it was a gunsmithing class, and, uh, and oh. thought we were thought we were going to be building guns, and I was like, "No, read the class description." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I had to eventually, after probably the tenth or eleventh person was, "Do I need parts to rebuild my gun in this class?" Uh, I said, "We need to change the name of this class." <laughs> wow! So, uh, so you're yeah. not towing a twenty-five foot complete machine shop to California. <laughs> No, no, sir. I am not. I am not. <laughs> that would be okay. pretty rough. <laughs> okay. Let but, me, uh, uh, let me do something. Let me just screen share this real quick so that people can see what we're talking about too. There we go. Come on. And boom, there it is. There it is. And right up here in the upper right, your take a core, take a class. Yep. Cool. Yep. And so all our, uh, and that gets updated as, uh, whenever we add a new class. So it's constantly updating and, uh, and that's, that's where it is. So uh, and looky there, you and Tim are doing one. Yeah. July 30th and 31st. Yep. Yep. So, uh, I'll, so right. there are some, uh, some of the joint classes Tim and I have. Uh, are not on my website. They're on his because uh, it's going through practice score. Um, uh, okay. So, uh, uh, but you, if you want to find a Tim and me class, which I highly encourage you to do because it's an awesome class. Uh, it, it's the class you probably didn't know you, you needed. And it's the class I wish I had had when I started shooting for sure. Mm. Um, I, uh, I could have really, really uh taking a lot of experimentation time out of my shooting career uh if i had had this class when i started shooting um so uh but you can find all those uh especially on tim's website he's got links to all of them in his calendar as well um so yeah great class um plus i i guess i will talk about that class just real quick uh, yeah it's you know, it's it's not a class where you're going to go to and, uh, you know, Tim's going to teach and I'm going to help him or I'm going to teach and Tim's going to help me. It is truly a co-taught class. Uh, it is, you know, it's not like other two instructor classes where, OK, half the class, you're going to go over here with this guy and half the class, you're going to go over here with this guy or this guy's going to teach his POI for one day. And then the other guy's going to teach his POI for one day. Um, we absolutely didn't want to do that. Uh, it is the same POI with both of our inputs uh, into it. And a hundred percent, we do not agree on everything, uh, which I think makes for a really cool, uh, a really cool class because we have different opinions on things, um, you know, and how, how we treat uh, our practice and how we get to, uh, to our, our end, end states. So, yep. yep. Yeah, this and is, so yeah, this is on Tim's here. This is on his site and this is the two day mastery class you were talking about. Yep, exactly. So that's our, that's our cool. train for mastery class. Um, 
And that one, we go really in depth. And I mean, if you guys look at it, right, the round count in the class is not super high, um, which which we made sure, uh, you know, ammo's expensive nowadays. And this is, again, uh, yeah, this is not, uh, it's not a technique class. I'm not trying to, to make you the greatest build drill shooter in the world. What I'm trying to do is teach you how to assess uh, you know, your own, your own skill set and your own practice to make, to make you the best shooter you possibly can be when I'm not there. Cause let's face it, you're going to spend mm -hmm. a lot more time on the range without me than you are with me. So, uh, this is, this is what this class is about, you know, and Tim and I both want to give you our thoughts on how to, how to become a, a master or in Tim's case, a grandmaster, uh, you know, one of the top five greatest single stack shooters in the country, if not the world, um, you know, how, how did he get there? How did we get to where we're at shooting wise? This is what that class is. So, uh, so yeah. Well, and when you said, you know, you're, you're going to shoot a lot more without me, uh, being there. Um, so topic number nine, building your own drills. I mean, my question was going to be, so do you guys give them things to take back to work on and sure enough if you're teaching them how to build their own drills then that's a yeah. life that's a, that's like the old saying you know I, if i give you a fish you can eat for a day if i teach you to fish you can eat for life a hundred percent a hundred percent and that's you know that's a that's a huge point of the class you know uh especially in the two-day class the train for mastery class uh you know we'll we'll take any anyone uh competitive shooters or, or defensive minded shooters and really you know listen take this now let me show you how to turn this instance into a drill for you to practice and get better at this thing you know and there's some stuff like you know uh we'll give you some drills like hey how do i how do i learn to sight track better well this is the technique i use the drill but take the core concept of this drill, now apply it to, it doesn't have to be a build drill. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, four aces, but take the concept and it can, it can be all sorts of stuff. And we show you guys how, how to do that in the class. Um, so, cool. so yeah, it's, it's super awesome. Uh, I, it's, one of my favorite things to teach, not only because I get to teach it with Tim, of course, uh, but because, you know, the curriculum is so uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, it's it's again, it's the class. It's the class I wish I had had when I started shooting uh, after, you know, after my first mechanics class, I wish I had taken. I wish there had been a class like this instead of me chasing technique only classes for 10 years. So, so yeah. Cool. Yeah. I was just glancing over looking at the, um, the one day class as well. So mm -hmm. very yep. interesting. Yeah. So the one day class, uh, practice with purpose is what well, it's, it's an abbreviated version of that. We just okay. hit all the highlights, uh, of it. Um, and and try and give you the most we possibly can and i'll tell you it's a lot of information in one day uh I bet. It, it's you know it's uh it's it's a lot so yeah so we we have those two versions because sometimes you just can't make it to a two-day class so we wanted to have a a one day that everyone could get to or you know uh one of the things we had discussed early on was you know uh Sometimes guys want to do this after a match. So they shoot their local match on Saturday and they want to have a skills clinic on Sunday. Well, this class offers you, hey, we just shot this match on Saturday. Let's look at the stages and I'm going to show you how to turn this stage into a series of, of exercises and drills to make you better on these core techniques. So, so yeah. Okay. Well, I got to ask you now, what am I looking at here? What you've got an RMR on what looks like a 1911. Is that a comp on the end? That is. Uh, so that is, <laughs> that's a, a funny story of a gun. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm game. 
<laughs> that is that is my Franken Gun 2011. Um, I, okay. Uh, it's a commander length, so a four and a quarter inch barrel that uh, has a cone comp on it, um, and that gun is pretty much built completely from parts of other guns that I had sitting around my shop. It's <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it it was on a. Uh, it was on a frame that I had started building uh, when I was a student, actually, uh, in gunsmithing school. And a uh, uh, customer, like halfway between, uh, decided they didn't want it. So it was originally cut uh, for a different slide. So, uh, mm. you know, it's, it's t again, not, not the tightest fit in the world, but she runs. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the slide came off of, uh, I think that slide was actually started life as a five inch slide, um, and, uh, uh, chopped it down to, to, a, a commander length slide. And, and it's just all, all sorts. The guide rod came out of a, uh, another guy's gun. Cause he didn't want that type of guide rod anymore. And, uh, I think the comp was brand new. I did order that comp. Uh, from EGW. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, everything else, everything else was, was pretty much a takeoff uh, <laughs> of that gun. So yeah, it's my Franken gun. She is ugly and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> but she works. So, uh, so yeah, Funny. she's a fun one. She's a fun one. Yeah. I was looking at it. I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, all right, hold on. I got to zoom in and ask him. This is, <laughs> Yep. If if you zoom in really hard, I think you can see it in that picture. You can actually see my Sharpie on there where I drew where I was going to make uh, the next cuts on that gun for, a, uh, I think I was doing a, a, a ball end mill cuts. May not be able to see it in that picture because uh, of the clarity. But yeah, yeah, there's Sharpie on there and all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. That's hysterical. <laughs> so... So yeah. Now, which RMR do you use? I use the um, my RMR is the uh, dual light where it mm -hmm. doesn't have a battery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'm not a big fan of of that. Uh, no? Only no, I uh, I I want to be able to control the brightness of my dot at all times. Um, Makes and, sense. And, yeah. So, so under any, any lighting conditions, because, you know, much like anything, you go into certain areas where, uh, your target is more illuminated than your gun and that can create problems or the gun is far more illuminated than your target that can create problems. Um, so I really like, uh, I typically ref uh, prefer the RMR 06, uh, which, uh, is, a uh, I have the ability to adjust, uh, up and down uh, the brightness as I want it, and it is a uh, three and a quarter MOA dot on it. That's um, kind of where I, I found to be my happy place. I shot an RMR09 for a long time, uh, which was a one minute dot um, because when you shoot a super accurate gun and you have a super tiny dot, it's really awesome to print super tiny groups at 25 <laughs> yards. <laughs> um, but uh, sometimes I will say, because that dot is so small, uh, again, with, with a target focus, um, it can be hard to pick up that dot uh, when I wanted to. So um, uh, I've kind of landed on uh, the, the three and a quarter minute dots. Uh, but honestly, on most of my guns, I run hollow suns. Uh, so two minute dots on them. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I know what you mean about the brightness of the dot because I shot um, up at Shadowhawk a couple of times. Area eight was one and I forget the other one. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was Del Marva. And both times before I switched to the SRO, there is a building they have and you shoot undercover and the targets were outside of the building and i presented my gun and i was like where is my dot 
And it literally probably took about two seconds of just standing there going, what is going on? And then I realized it was super faint. Yeah. So I almost, I didn't have to do point shooting, but in a way it almost felt like point shooting because the dot was so faint. It was hard to see. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, that's one of the main reasons I, I, I want to be able to control that. And, you know, I, I get it. Some guys want, uh, want that, that auto adjust, um, uh, because they carry that gun all day, every day, blah, blah, blah. Um, for me, it's, it's really quite simple. I get the gun out in the morning. I brighten it up to where it blooms. I come one down and that's about the perfect mid setting for everything defensively that, uh, that I'm going to do. And if I, tend to go out at night. Uh, if I'm going to be outside at night, I tend to bring that dot down a little bit so it doesn't bloom. But I also need to be aware of if I light anything up with photons from my surefire, <laughs> uh, if my dot's too low, I'm going to wash out that dot too. So I tend to keep it much brighter than most would would expect uh, at night as well. But again, you know, I like the ability to adjust that dot if if I need to. So. Are those shake awake or are those on all the time? Nope. Those are on all the time, on all the time. So, and I, you know, I replace my battery uh, pretty much once a year on those. And uh, I'm really bad about turning my dots off. I just pretty much don't ever turn them off and just replace my battery once a year. And, and it's good to go. Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty solid because the, the thing I, I, the reason I went with this was, so I didn't have to worry about a battery and it just pulling it up one time and it when you need it and it not working. So yeah. that's why I went with the, the version that I went with. But mm-hmm. I've considered taking a piece of tape actually and just taping over the top. So you cover up that sensor so it senses that it's in a darkened environment. So it'll always stay the same, but in a lighter environment, it would be an issue. So Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But okay well aj that's all i've got um, oh, okay i appreciate the time and we're coming up on two hours here so it's but, been a uh, great conversation so it i has thoroughly been enjoyed it awesome me too and i hope we can do this again sometime because there now that we've got this part done it gives me more to say hey we need to hit these other areas and talk about some other stuff so absolutely i would love to anytime anytime awesome that sounds fantastic i'm gonna hold you to it then great all right well good luck with everything and enjoy your very busy next three months (laughs) thank you very much i I, hopefully i will (laughs) all right until next time don't be a little bitch yeah